Well, Lord, we just come now uh, to prepare our hearts as we come around Your Word. Lord, we thank You that You're a God who speaks to us. We thank You for the gift of Your precious Word, Lord, that is alive, Lord, that speaks to the very needs of our heart, the deepest needs of our heart, in fact, so relevant, Lord, to the very circumstances in which we find ourselves today. And so we just commit this time to You now as we gather around Your Word and we pray, Lord, I pray that each and every person that is tuning in right now will be blessed, Lord. They'll be knowing that by Your Spirit, You are speaking to them. This is our prayer this morning as we gather together as Your people. And so we give You thanks and pray all these things in Your Name. Amen. Well, we're really blessed this morning to have our founding pastor, Pastor Peter, bringing the Word to us. And I know he won't be able to hear you from home, but I'd love it if you could put your hands together. This man blesses us so much. Can you put your hand together and welcome him as he comes to share God's Word with us? Well, thanks, Nate, so much, brother. Terrific. Uh, Good church. Uh, This is certainly pretty different to what I'm normally used to, but I just want to say welcome. Um, I'm missing you. Let me say that. I am really missing all of you Um, at the moment. I sure wish you were here, but that's not possible. We're um, being good, um, obedient citizens at the moment, so that's terrific. How are you going with the new time at nine o'clock? Doing all right on that one? 10 o'clockers, I hope you are out of your PJs by now. That's what I wanted to say. I know this is a bit of a shock to the system for you who love those lions on a Sunday morning, but this is when we're doing church. So uh, terrific. I, actually, someone texted me last week, um, or one came into the church to say that people were watching the service by the pool. So if anybody's by their pool this morning, we're welcome. In fact, wherever you might be coming from, uh, wherever you're listening uh, today, we pray you'll be really blessed and encouraged. Uh, through God's Word. And if you don't normally attend Bridgie, well, I want to say a real, real walk, well, welcome to you as well, whether you're in Australia or whether you're around the world. It's incredible um, what technology can do today. Today, we are actually beginning a brand new series as we head into Easter, and it's called Three Days That Changed the World. Uh, Easter's not off. I know a lot of things are, but Easter's certainly not off. And we're going to celebrate well together um, God's incredible gift in Jesus and His sacrifice. Although this will probably be a very, very different Easter for all of us. I can't remember an Easter, in fact, where I haven't met with God's people to um, celebrate communion together, um, hug, give a handshake to people and say how wonderful it is to be together and what Jesus has done for us. So this is going to be pretty different. No hot cross buns in the courtyard. Devastating this is going to be, but we've got to do this. And no post-Easter holiday for me either. A little one that I used to enjoy up the coast, that won't be on as well. But maybe the circumstances and the mood um, leading up to this Easter um, here in Brizzy and throughout Australia, throughout the world, in fact, maybe it's a little bit closer, in fact, to the mood that led to that very first Easter for Jesus and his followers. Think about it. The disciples, aware that there were grave threats to their existence. John eleven sixteen 16 <laughs> um, records for us Thomas saying, let's go up with Jesus and we'll all die together. There were a sense of, you know, there was a sense of doom or um, a, a sense of darkness um, that was pervading the community. Jesus said these words when the soldiers came to arrest him. Um, he said, he ended what he said with these words, but this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. 
There was also an awareness, of course, that something of enormous significance was about to unfold. Though the disciples, of course, hadn't yet grasped it. Luke 22, 18, for I will not drink wine again. This is what Jesus said at the Last Supper, until the kingdom of God has come. Six weeks ago, it, it would have seemed very strange to be drawing similarities between what we are now facing and the events of that very first Easter. Talking about serious threats to our health and well-being, feelings of fear and doom pervading our community, a sense that something of, of great significance is, is actually happening in our world. And in these sort of, in these sort of times, um, there, are, there are great tests for every one of us. Just as there were tests for those on that very first Easter, would Ananias, the high priest, preside over a co corrupt trial? Would Pilate crucify an innocent man? Would Judas betray his master with a kiss? Would Peter deny his friend and master? Would the crowds, you know, would the crowds call for Jesus or would they call for Barabbas? Would, would Jesus himself endure the cross? Well, this morning I want to read the account in the Gospel of Luke, which contrasts two responses to the tests that we experience in the crises of life. It takes place in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the garden. The events occurring just after the Last Supper and just before Jesus is arrested. And so let me read from Luke 22. If you've got your Bibles there, you can read along or it'll be on the screen as well. It says this. Jesus went out as usual, that's interesting, went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Verse 45, when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. This is God's word to us this morning, church. God's precious word. There's an enormous spiritual battle that's fought over, over us and actually in us, within us, every day of our lives, whether you realise it or not. And it centres in the choices that we make, these choices. Are we going to trust in God or we are not going to trust in Him? Are we going to ask for His strength to live our lives or are we going to operate in our own strength? Will we obey what God calls us to do or choose to make our own paths. Satan, our great adversary, of course, is always there seeking to entice us. Entice us on, on one hand to 
ignore God's word and, and seeking on the other hand to intimidate us, to silence us. Crises, threats, great pressures, they, they, they tend to bring these choices to a head in our lives. It's the test place. And they are the places where we can so easily fall. And so as Jesus and his disciples head into the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus knows that he and his disciples are about to be tested in the crucible of suffering. And so Jesus points them to the most important thing that any person can do when you are about to enter a great test. And I know that this is God's word to us this morning, church. I really know this. We are in a place where we have never been before, church. We've never been here before. Neither has our nation been here before. And so hear the word of the Lord to us this morning. Hear it, church. It's for us. And it comes from Jesus' very lips. And he says this, pray, pray, pray that you will not fall into temptation. The very words that Jesus had taught his disciples to pray, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. If you've ever wondered what that sort of praying looks like, well, in the garden scene, we, we find the greatest example of this sort of praying that you will, you will ever find. Jesus was never someone to tell others to do what he himself did not do. And so as Jesus prepares to face the cross, and it was just a few hours away, he goes to his very familiar place, his prayer place, his prayer garden, and he begins to pray, calling out to his heavenly Father because when he experienced the test of the cross and it was coming, it was so close, he did not want to fall into temptation. He did not want to fail. He wanted to be faithful, committed to the purposes that God had given to him. And so he goes to prayer. Luke's account of, of Jesus' prayer here in the garden, along with the records that we find also in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, they reveal the enormity of Jesus' mental and psychological struggle, his stress, as he prayed in the garden on that night. In Mark, it says that Jesus began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus, he's actually appalled at what he sees lying ahead of him. Now think about this. This is the one who's always been in control of, of every situation. You know, he, he always knew what to do. He, he, he knew what to say. He, he was always calm, you know, even in the greatest of storms. Yet here we see Jesus rocked to the very core of his being in danger of actually dying there in the garden. It's the sort of shock and horror you experience when you see something that, you know, rocks you to the core of your being. Some of you I know will have far more dramatic um, examples of this or memories of this than my own, but I, one of my most traumatic memories was was the occasion when I heard this incredible crashing sound and 
I rushed out. I was in my bedroom at the time and I, I rushed out and Marie had been at the top of our stairs and she'd actually fainted there and she'd tumbled down our stairs and I found Marie at the bottom of our stairs, um, um, unconscious, motionless, um, with, with this massive pool of blood that was just, you know, ever growing around her head. It, it, was, it, was, it was a horrible, horrible thing. It's something that I pray, pray that I'll never, I'll never see again. I sure pray that, I sure pray that. So great is the trauma here. The trauma that Jesus saw in the garden that Luke records an angel actually had to come and strengthen him. And, and later he, he mentions that Jesus' sweat was like great drops of blood falling to the ground. What, what, is, so, you know, what is so traumatising to Jesus as, as he's praying here in the garden? Is he frightened about his, you know, physical torture that's about to befall him? You know, he's going to get whipped and pinned to a cross. Is it, is it the ending of his life? The reality of his imminent death? Traumatic as these were to be, and they were, this is not what caused Jesus to shudder in the garden here. The answer lies in, in verse 42 of the passage we read where Jesus prays these words. Father, if you are willing, take this cup, take this cup from me. It, it was the contents of the cup that were causing Jesus to stagger. Throughout the Old Testament, the cup is a metaphor of divine judgment. Um, God's justice on the injustices of humanity and their sinful rebellion. Let me just give you a couple examples. Job 21.20, it says this. Let their own eyes see their destruction. Let them drink the cup of the wrath of the Almighty. From Isaiah, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Your God who defends his people. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup that made you stagger. From that cup, the goblet of my wrath, you will never drink again. Jesus is glimpsing, you see, in the garden, the awfulness of what awaits him as he goes to the cross. The wrath, the, the rightful punishment of God upon sin. Now think about this for a moment. Jesus, the only truly sinless man, the one who had always enjoyed the love and the affirmation of his heavenly father, the one whose life always centred in pleasing his heavenly father, the one who had done no wrong, the one who had done no damage in his life, is about to bear the sins of the world. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. And he would experience, you see, the full force of God's holy anger. He would be excluded from God's presence. He would cry out to God and, and find that he wasn't there. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The fellowship, the, the oneness, the love that the Father and the Son had known throughout eternity was about to be fractured. 
We are capturing a glimpse of the trauma that Jesus endured on that moment. He had gone to the garden, you see, he had gone to the garden many, many times. And every time he had prayed before, he had been filled and flooded with a sense of God's love, the love of his heavenly Father. But on this occasion, think about this, on this occasion, as he comes to the precious holy place, his prayer garden where he delights in sharing with his Father, rather than finding the comfort and the peace of his heavenly Father, what opens up before him is hell itself, the wrath of his Father upon sin. And he staggers He staggers, he staggers. Here in the garden, you see Jesus is facing the satanic temptation that had plagued him from the beginning of his ministry. The temptation was, did he he have to endure the cross? In the wilderness, Satan said, one of, one of the three was, Satan said, throw yourself down from the, from the top of the temple and the angels will come and rescue you and everyone will see that you are indeed the son of God, you're the Messiah and you won't need to go to the cross. That was the import of that, that temptation. It came in the voice of his, his disciple, his friend Peter. And Peter says, oh, don't go to the cross. And, and Jesus replies, get behind me, saying. The same temptation coming again and again. And now as he's about to accomplish his life's mission, as the dreadful cost of what lies before him comes into full view, Jesus takes this old temptation and he puts it before his heavenly Father. This is praying so that we do not fall into temptation. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Jesus isn't fleeing from his mission here to save the world. He's not asking his father to abandon the mission either, but he is seeking to know if there is any other option (laughs) to the one that lies before him to suffer the wrath of God himself. He's wrestling with God. He's, He's searching for another path and And there were biblical precedents, of course, for this sort of prayer. Exodus 32, 14, Moses asking God to change his mind about destroying the rebellious Israelites, and God did. Hezekiah asking God to extend his life when God had said it was going to end, and and God gave him another 15 years. In Mark's account, we read that Jesus, in the midst of this prayer, passes or quotes this great theology. He says, all things are possible for you, God. All things are, great one. And he didn't pray this prayer just once, but he kept praying the prayer. He prayed it three times. He kept coming to his heavenly Father, searching for another way. But there's no answer from his heavenly Father because... There was no other way for men and women to be saved except through the sacrifice of his own perfect life as God's one and only son. And so Jesus prays in the garden, yet not what I will, but what you will. Not what I will, but what you will. 
Through prayer, you see, the great temptation of Jesus' life was resisted. It was overcome in the place of prayer. Even though he had tasted from the very cup of his father's wrath in the garden, he still freely chose to endure the cross, to, to drain in full the cup of wrath. That God had asked him to drink for the sake of broken and lost sinful men and women. And Jesus arises from the ground of Gethsemane and he resolutely sets out to complete his holy mission. The saving of men and women, the saving of you and me. And the dreadful injustices which, which soon follow, it's, you know, the terrible and and degrading acts that were poured out on Jesus by, by wicked men. Even the agony of, of Jesus himself as he, as he bore the sins of the world, we see in Jesus, in, in all the narratives of the trial and the crucifixion, we see Jesus as the most fearless and dignified and composed person in the whole of the Eastern narrative. As Jesus prayed in the garden, he passes the test. He overcomes temptation. And he strides forward in humble and courageous obedience to all that God had purposed for him. Pray so that you will not fall into temptation. But it was, of course, a very different story for Jesus' three closest disciples. The events of Easter, they were about to test their love and loyalty to God's Son. They were going to be put under pressure. Some big statements, of course, had been made earlier by the disciples. One that we mentioned before, Thomas, you know, let's go up so that we can die with him. Peter earlier that night had told Jesus in Matthew 26, 33, but even, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Statements of loyalty, statements of commitment, they're easy to make when they're words, but it's in the crises, it's in the tests where the substance of those words are truly revealed. Peter and John and James didn't go real well that night. In response to Jesus' instruction to watch with him as he, as he prayed and, you know, to support him and to pray for him and to be near him as he fought this great spiritual battle to keep submitting to the will, the perfect will of his heavenly father, they couldn't, they couldn't find a way to stay awake. In response to Jesus' instruction for them to pray so they wouldn't fall into temptation, so they would act in the way that honoured God in the great test ahead of them, again Jesus finds them sleeping. Luke's account ends with these words that we read earlier. When he rose from prayer and went back to his disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The, the contrast in the garden scene is so stark. As the terrible events of Easter Friday were about to um, unfold, we see Jesus wrestling with his heavenly Father, seeking and, and searching and submitting to the will of God and setting out with resolute faith and courage and God's mighty strength. While the disciples, exhausted and weary, 
fall into a prayerless slumber, leaving Jesus, their master, unsupported by their presence and their prayers and their own lives unprepared to resist the assaults of Satan. And in the events which follow, we see in the disciples just failure after failure. Peter pulling out a sword to resist, so, so out of keeping with the things that God was doing. All the disciples fleeing from, from, from their master. Peter denying that he even knew Jesus. Failure after failure after failure. Let me read some words from Haddon Robinson. They're quoted in Philip Yancey's book on prayer. And it expresses so well the difference between Jesus and, and his disciples on, on that night in Gethsemane. Let me read. Where was it that Jesus sweat great drops of, drops of blood? Not in Pilate's hall, nor on his way to Golgotha. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane. There he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Hebrews 5, 7. Had I been there and witnessed that struggle, I would have worried about the future. If he's so broken up when, he is, when all he is doing is praying, I might have said, what will he do when he faces a real crisis? Why can't he approach this ordeal with the calm confidence of his three sleeping friends? Yet when the test came, Jesus walked to the cross with courage and his three friends fell apart and fell away. Sometimes the voice of Jesus to us is, is, is like a gentle whisper, you know, something that we need to just still our hearts for so that we can carefully hear what he's saying to us. On other occasions, but the voice of Jesus is like a, it's like a trumpet call. It, it comes like, like a clarion blast. Listen to this, listen to this. It's unmistakable in its message. So hear the word of the Lord this morning because it's the latter church, that's who I believe. It's for us as a church, it's for all those who love Jesus, listen to it. And all those that I pray will come to love Jesus, hear it, hear it this morning. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. I do not think it's a coincidence this morning that here on this Sunday when leaders National leaders in the Church of Jesus Christ here in Australia have, have called a day of prayer, a day of fasting. As, as, as we look out on, this, on the greatest crisis, in fact, that has ever impacted our country since World War II. And not many of us can go back that far. Don't you think it's interesting, church, that on this Sunday, the Holy Spirit would arrange for this word, this word to come to us. This series that was planned long ago, in fact. To call us in the very words of Jesus himself to pray that we will not fall in the test that we are facing. Rather the opposite. That we will be like Jesus. We'll pray. We'll pray much. 
That we won't be asleep, church. That we'll be people who submit to the purposes of God in this very season. Finding the courage in Him to endure the sufferings that we may have to. As Jesus endured the sufferings for us, you see, sufferings that meant that selfish, rebellious, indifferent, uncaring, promise-breaking, angry and unforgiving sinners like you and me who deserved hell could be forgiven by our merciful and wonderful God, could be welcomed in the very family of God, be given the very spirit of Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit, to enable us to, to love God and to love others just as Jesus did, church. This is the call of today. I know we may be restricted in our homes. I know that. But this is not the time for us as God's people to go to sleep. It's the time to pray, church. It's the time to pray. It's the time to pray. More than we have ever prayed before. Finding the same Holy Spirit power that Jesus found to courageously obey all that God has planned for us as his people in Australia at this time. Believing that as we stand firm, believing as we're obedient to those things, that we will overcome whatever strategies that Satan has to pull us down and to pull us away from this task and rather end in the fullness of the things that God has planned, mighty things that will bring incredible blessing in our nation. As Jesus' life, as Jesus' sacrifice brought incredible blessing to our whole world, the blessing that we're experiencing even this morning as we listen to the truth of his wonderful word and what he has done for us. Come church, it's time to pray. Let's pray together. Let's pray. That's the call of today. Let's pray. I know you'll be in homes. If you're with others around you, then I invite you to pray with them. If you're familiar with praying aloud, I pray that you will pray aloud. Maybe if you're unfamiliar with praying aloud, you'll pray loud. As we join together now, on this day of prayer, as we look to our great God, as we look to Him, that God will find us a faithful people this morning, church. So let's pray, let's pray. I'm just gonna lead you in some of these prayers. Are you ready? Don't turn off, don't turn off your TV. It's not the time to do that, church. Don't do that. You pray with us now. Pray that God will lead you in these troubled times. That everything he has purpose for you that you will be found obedient, ask for his strength, ask for his empowering, ask for his help in all of that. Pray that you'll resist the temptations that come from the darkness and you'll be obedient to our great God. Pray that prayer so you'll stand, stand strong. Pray that for us as a church, that we'll stand strong for Jesus in the midst of the things we find ourselves in. Pray that for us, that we will not be found a church that fails, that goes to sleep at such a time, but rather rises up in greater measure than ever before. Pray that now, church. Pray that, oh Lord, help us, we pray. Help us, every one of us, great God. Help us, mighty one. Help us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray, who indwells us. May be a faithful, loving people, oh great God. Lead us, we pray. 
Just affirm your trust now in God that He will care for you. I know there's some in our church family, quite a number actually in our church family, have already lost their jobs. Just, just pray for one another. Maybe you know someone in our church family. Maybe not in our church family, but you love them and you know about them, you care about them. You pray for them right now. If Jesus was willing to endure hell for our world, for you, for me, then you know He can be trusted. He can be trusted. He can be. We look to you, our great God. We're looking to you. Our trust is in you. We affirm our trust in you. We affirm our trust in you. If you're watching this morning and you're someone who's fallen away from Jesus and maybe you've denied Him, maybe. It's been a long time since you've had anything to do with Him. The reason you're listening this morning is because Jesus wants to invite you back. Come home. To know afresh the joy of sins forgiven. To to know the peace and the joy of walking with Jesus, whatever happens in our world, our broken, damaged world. Know the love of the Heavenly Father who loves you, gave His precious and one and only Son for you. Come home, come home this morning. You pray that prayer. Lord, forgive me. Fill me afresh with Your Spirit. Maybe you don't even know Jesus. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Him. I invite you in Jesus' Name, come be part of the Church of Jesus Christ. The people who live forever, trusting in Jesus now and with Him for eternity. Jesus invites you. Come put your faith and trust in the One who gave His life for you. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, I invite you to pray it now. Let me lead you. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who endured hell so that I don't have to endure hell, but rather no life. Forgive me for my wrong. Forgive me for my sin, my selfishness, my rebellion. Forgive me, forgive me. Wash me clean in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Make me new, a new creation in Jesus Christ. Oh, loving one. Loving one, hear these prayers that are being prayed, Lord, right now. Oh, Lord, continue, continue your mighty work, Holy Spirit, among us. This is what we pray, Lord, as we pray. Now I want to invite you. Let's pray for our nation those who have just joined the family of God, those who have come home, those who have been here a long time loving and serving Jesus. Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for our Prime Minister. Let's pray for the Premiers, the leadership, the medical men and women that are leading us. Pray for them. Ask for God's wisdom to be granted to them. Pray that in your heart right now. Pray that in little groups just where you might be. Oh Lord, hear our cries. We pray for our leaders as You call us to do in Your Word. Give them all that they need, Lord, to make wise decisions. We pray for our nation of Australia, Lord. Help us, we would ask. Protect us, Lord. Guard us. Oh, great God, we're crying out to You in the midst, Lord, of this trouble and 
disaster that's befallen our world, Lord. Our eyes are on You, great God. We look to You. Our eyes are on You. We pray for those, Lord. We pray for those, Lord, that don't know that there's a God who loves them this morning. Come church, pray for them. People don't know about being able to tune into a service and hear the wonderful news of what Jesus has done. I'll pray for them. Pray for them that in this season, a mighty move of God's Spirit would come, flow across our nation. Oh, pray church, pray. Pray with faith. Many of us have prayed for many years. Oh, pray that in this crisis, in this great test, that the presence and the power and the glory of Jesus Christ, the one who reigns, the one who's supreme, the one who's over all things, would come and His glory would be revealed in our nation. Pray this, church. Pray this this morning. Oh, Lord, Lord God, hear the cries of Your people. And now, church, as we gather I know we're going to continue to pray right throughout the rest of this day and I encourage you to do that. You zoom in, do whatever you can. You, you fast and pray today. Go without and pray for our nation. But I thought it'd be good as we conclude that we should all pray together the Lord's Prayer as we conclude. I'd love us to do that together. Wherever we might be, God sees, God knows us, sees us as a people. Maybe some will be praying this for the first time in a very, very long time, in fact. Are you ready? These are beautiful words, words that we've reflected on a little this morning and words about trusting Him to provide all that's necessary and needed for His kingdom to come. Come, let's pray this together. The words are on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, give us this day our daily bread, O oh Lord. We pray that for those that are in need, Lord. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, Lord. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We pray that as Your people, Lord. For Yours is the Kingdom. Amen. Amen. We're going to conclude our service and Caleb and Haley are here and they're just going to lead us in a beautiful song. We put our eyes on Jesus. God, we look to you. Yeah. Our trust is in you. Come church as we conclude this beautiful time of sharing together the ground God's Word and sharing together as these people worshipping and loving Him. Come. Let's sing these words as we conclude this morning. Oh, Lord, we thank You. It's true. You reign this morning, Lord. You reign forever and always, great God. And God, we are looking to You. We are, great God. Where else do we turn but to You, the Creator God, the One who is over all things. And so we thank You, Lord. We love You this morning. We pray, Lord, that You continue just to make us so aware of your great love for us and Lord, the assurance that is found in you, the hope, Lord, the confidence that we have in you. And so we give you thanks, great God. And I wanna pray for your blessing for each and every one tuning in right now, Lord, that you would just bless them. 
Pour out Your love upon them, wherever they are, great God, wherever they are on the journey of faith, wherever they are located right, right now, Lord, You are so near to us. Your Word tells us that, great God. And today, as we continue to pray, Lord, we are crying out, Lord. We know the power of prayer as we seek You together as Your people, joining hearts together as a church, not just here locally, Lord, but globally, right across our nation and our world. We seek You, great God. Come, do Your work, make Yourself known, reveal Your great love and power, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' Name. Everyone said, Amen, Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today for our service. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, say yes to Jesus or coming back to Jesus. We wanna pray for you and help you. Make sure you email prayer at bridgman.org.au. Let us know so we can pray for you and send some information to help you. And don't forget, if you wanna connect with us, to email hello at bridgman.org.au. We look forward to praying with you today through our National Day of Prayer and Fasting. And don't forget our six o'clock service today. Share the link with everyone you know. We're looking forward to gathering together then as well. God bless you. We look forward to connecting again soon. Thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you or you'd like to find out more, we want to help and encourage you on your journey of faith. You can reach out to us via our website or email hello at bridgman.org.au. And don't forget, if you have a prayer need, we'd love to pray for you. And you can fill in a prayer card on our website or email prayer at bridgman.org.au. I'm praying God's blessing for you this week and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.